Hi, David. Bonds are selling off while risk assets continue to rise. Hi, Alex. I mean, you're right that in recent weeks, government bond yields actually rose to their highest level since the first half of 2019. While many risk assets have retraced most, if not all, of the drawdowns post the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. So we've seen the 10-year US Treasury yield reach uh, 2.5%. Uh, the yield on the two-year German uh, Bund actually turned positive for the first time since 2014. And even Japanese government bonds have not been immune to the global move higher in yields, forcing the Bank of Japan to buy bonds to defend its cap of 0.25% on the 10-year JGB. Um, I, I think there was a bit of a near-term overshoot. In recent day, days, yields have you know, fallen below these um, peaks, but they still remain meaningfully above their pre-invasion levels. And, and I think the latest leg higher in bond yields is due to rising inflation expectations, in part because of the invasion and the impact on commodity prices, and ever more hawkish pricing, really, of the path for central bank um, policy rates. And, and that was um, sort of further fueled by comments from Fed Chair Powell and other uh, Fed members that have encouraged speculation of a 50 basis point or a half uh, percent increase in the Fed funds rate at its next meeting in, in May. In, in terms of inflation expectations, the break-even rate of inflation on a five-year US Treasury Inflation Protected Security or TIPS um, is at a you know new high of around three and a half percent. Um, it's about 4.6% on five-year inflation-indexed uh, gilts or UK government bonds. And actually, for the first time, above 3% on five-year inflation-indexed uh, German uh, bonds. Yet, as you say, Alex, I mean, equities have been on a bit of a tear um, despite rising inflation and bond yields and the ongoing war in Ukraine, although you know, I think equity markets or some investors have been quite optimistic that you know there might be a sort of near-term um, settlement, something that we're uh, quite sceptical about. Um, you know, so global stocks are up on the month. Um, US equity indices are above where they were before Russia's invasion of Ukraine in late February. Um, similarly, U.S. credit spreads have, have tightened to their sort of pre-war level, though European equities and credit have also rallied pretty strongly since uh, mid-March, but, but not yet recovered all of the sort of sell-off in the aftermath of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And is there a disconnect between the bond and equity markets? And it's not unusual for growth-sensitive risk assets to rally, even as central banks raise interest rates and bond yields are, are rising. I mean, typically... Central banks only raise rates when the economy is strong and the growth and earnings outlook is uh, positive. I, I also think investors are trying to shield portfolios against high inflation and rising rates by shifting out of cash and core fixed income into equities. So it's a, you know, it's the, it's the latest version of Tina. There is no alternative. Um, and real yields adjusted for inflation expectations are, are still very negative, and that's also supporting growth stocks. But, but in answer to your question, Alex, I do think there is a disconnect between the bond market and equities. Um, bond yields are not only moving higher, but yield curves are also getting flatter. And the US Treasury curve is very close to inverting, whereby uh, yields on longer maturity bonds are lower than on short-dated notes. 
And we're also seeing quite a bit more volatility in the bond market, uh, which is pretty high by historical standards relative to that in um, equity markets. So I think I think the bond market is is taking the Fed and other central banks at their at their word that they will do whatever it takes to lower inflation. But it's also worried that they may not be able to engineer soft landing for the economy as they do so. And I don't think equities, especially in the US, are pricing the same level of growth risk as the bond market. You mentioned the flattening and near inversion of the yield curve. What's the relevance of the yield curve for investors more generally? Well, I think the first observation I would make is that when central banks start to tighten monetary policy and raise short term interest rates, the yield curve typically flattens. So in the jargon, a bear flattening as yields across the curve move higher, but more so at shorter maturities. The yield on short-term maturities, such as the two-year, is mostly determined by market expectations for central bank interest rates over the next 18 months or so, while yields on long-dated bonds reflect investor expectations of the medium-term outlook, not only for interest rates, but also for growth. So if the yield curve inverts, many investors do take that as a signal from the bond market that a recession is likely over the next 12 months or so. And and the most widely watched measure of yield curve inversion is the spread or gap between the yield on the two-year note and the 10-year bond. So this is referred to as the 210 spread. And that actually briefly inverted on on an intraday basis um, for the US Treasury curve um, in uh, recent days. I I mean, it is the case that an inversion of the US Treasury curve on the 210s measure has preceded nearly every US recession since the 1950s. Um, Interestingly, yield curve inversion does not really have the same kind of predictive um, or or warning track record in other government bond markets. So, for example, the German government bond curve uh, at the moment is actually a a long way from inversion, even though I think the risk to European growth, for example, from the Russia-Ukraine crisis is, is clearly greater for Europe than it is for the US. And should investors be fearful of the yield curve? I think an inversion of the yield curve is something that investors should certainly take note of and take seriously. Um, as I you know, commented, it, it is consistent with a bond market that is more worried about the growth outlook than equities. But, but the yield curve is not an infallible predictor of recession. And the time from inversion to recession, you know, it's been as short as six months and as long as 24 months. Um, the the two tens uh, U.S. Treasury uh, curve actually inverted in the summer of uh, 1998 during the Asian and Russian financial crises, uh, but actually the U.S. economy did not uh, go into recession. It didn't actually. The next recession was actually in 20 um, in, in in 2001. So it was very much a kind of false signal of recession at that time. Um, the two tens actually also briefly inverted in August 2019, but then actually started to yield started to pick up again, started to get a bit of a, um, a, a, a steepening as the Fed cut rates and growth fears ease. Now, a recession did follow you know, six months uh, later when the global economy was hit by the COVID pandemic, but that wasn't predicted by the bond market in the summer of 2019. So we won't really know whether that was a true or false um, signal from, from, from that inversion. Um, and I also do think the predictive power of the yield curve may have been weakened somewhat by 
you know, just the sheer scale of central bank bond buying since the um, pandemic. The Fed now owns a quarter of all treasury securities, which is almost double its share before um, the pandemic. Um, interestingly, the Fed itself is relatively um, dismissive of the two tens measure of the curve and instead point investors to the spread between the yield uh, yield on the three month Treasury bill and the expected or forward yield on, 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 on the Treasury bill uh, six quarters ahead. And, and the intuition behind this near term forward spread is that it reflects market expectations for the path of Fed funds rates over the next 18 months. So when the near-term forward spread is inverted, it means that investors are actually pricing rate cuts um, from the Fed in response to rising recession risk. Now, while the two tens and near-term forward measure actually typically move in tandem, right now they're actually diverging pretty dramatically. So the two tens is close to inversion, while the near-term forward spread is at a historic wide. I mean, the market's pricing some... 250 basis points increase in Fed funds rate over the next 18 months or so. Um, so while the two tens is signaling heightened US recession risk as we go into 2023, the near term forward spread actually suggests very low uh, recession risk as it would be you know, very kind of unusual, uh, even unprecedented for the Fed to aggressively hike rates into a recession. So now all that being said, I mean, we warned last year when the Fed and other central banks dismissed higher inflation as transitory, um, that being behind the inflation curve and then having to aggressively tighten monetary policy to catch up does come with much greater downside risk for growth and and the potential for a policy mistake. And I do think that's the situation that the Fed and and some other central banks now find themselves in. I return to what we've discussed in previous podcasts, Alex, which is the centrality of the path for inflation. If, as projected by the Fed and other central banks, inflation falls back in the second half of this year, um, it's much more likely, I think, that central banks will be able to engineer a soft landing for the economy, even as they uh, raise interest rates. I I don't think investors should be too fearful of uh, the yield curve at this stage. Um, I think the probability of a US and a, and a global recession in 2022 is low. Um, and I think it's far from inev- inevitable, even on a sort of two to three year um, horizon. But I do think the bond market is right to signal that the tail risk um, of recession uh, is meaningful for uh, 2023. And, and, and the potential for a hard rather than uh, soft landing is on the rise. So I think with that uncertainty, with those tail risks, you know, I think it's a reminder in many respects that core fixed income, you know, safe government bonds, uh, high quality uh, credit um, is a source of diversification against growth risk in portfolios, even though bonds have been selling off, as we've been discussing, because of the current focus on inflation and the expected hikes in interest rates. I think it also underscores the importance of bottom up uh, security selection based on fundamentals, you know, focusing on businesses better able to absorb rising input costs uh, with relatively low um, default risk. So, you know, in my view, it makes sense to stay invested, but I think a greater emphasis on diversification 
um, being sort of laser focused on fundamentals and relative valuations is, I think, still the best way to navigate the uncertain path ahead. Thanks so much for your time today, David. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued by Blue Bay or one of its entities. Please check the entire Blue Bay disclaimer at the following website, www.bluebay.com forward slash podcast disclaimer. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended, nor should it be intended as investment, tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This podcast is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Blue Bay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after the publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Blue Bay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. The document is intended only for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive or in the US by accredited investors as defined by the Securities Act of 1933 or qualified purchases as defined in the the Investment Company Act of 1940 as applicable and should not be relied upon by any other category of consumer. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person, published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay or one of its entities. Copyright 2022.